What's up, nerds? Welcome to Capes and Critiques, where we give our two cents on comic book characters and pop culture. This week's issue, we're bringing you a tantalizing quarantine reading list that will be sure to keep you entertained through this pandemic. I hope this position is like comfortable for the rest of this recording, because I really don't want to move. Um, <laughs> okay. Hello, everyone. How's quarantine, Barbie? It, it, it sucks. Yeah, yeah, it sucks when, I mean, we're not going to get all philosophical in here. should be thankful I have a job. My job sucks, but that's the end of it. <laughs> that's the bad on that. <laughs> How's yeah, quarantine yeah, for mean, you? Not bad. Not as bad as for some, that's for sure. I think I've been doing okay, but I'm lucky in the sense that, like, just kind of freelance here and there. So... I don't have the stress of work on top of the stress of living in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> if, that, if that makes sense. <laughs> exactly. And also the impending doom of being unemployed isn't as bad because you can't even get a job anymore and a lot of people are unemployed. So it makes me feel less shitty about that fact about myself. That is true. You make a valid point right yeah. there. I'm also really good at, you know, covering up my own panic. So... It that you do of everything you just unleash it in the middle of the night in your bathtub oh my god <laughs> that sounds so horrible and weird i don't do that guys don't pay attention to her she's a liar and a fake um but anyway now that we've we've cleared with that i know that all of y'all are probably stuck at home or if you're not and you're an essential worker like Kudos I'm to sorry. You. God bless you. I'm sorry that you still have to work through all of this um, and go out and like endanger your health, basically. Um, but hopefully we'll get through this soon. And while we are quarantined and all that stuff, we decided it would be kind of appropriate to make a reading list that, you know, you can distract yourself with while the world is ending. Yeah, you know, just like temporary happiness. Correct. So... With that said, you want to start things off, Barbie? Sure. I have five things, and they're going to range, um, starting from, like, shortest to longest, depending on what you're in the mood for. Say you just want to read some quick five-issue thingy, or you just want to dedicate yourself to an entire, like, you know, existence of being for a character or a story, you know? Oh, wow. Okay. If, because who knows how who knows how long we're gonna be in this. So you're gonna have, maybe you'll have time to read. I don't know how many issues or chapters of something. You know. That's fair. So, from the top of my list is the shortest, and we're gonna start with Superman Red Sun. Oh my God! You're recommending a Superman title. Today yeah. is the weirdest day of my young adult life. <laughs> that is fair, because anyone who knows me, none of you know me, but. <laughs> I guess you will now. We'll know that I'm not the biggest fan of Superman. But at the behest uh, of... As all uneducated people are, of course. Continue. Well, whatever. <laughs> at the behest of some unnamed person that was like, Superman's bomb, you should read this title. And I was like, I guess. So I read it and I was like, it's pretty good. Pretty good. It's not bad. It's not bad. So I recommend it. Red Sun is an Elseworlds story from like, I think 2003. Early 2000s. Don't quote me on that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's an Elseworlds story. It's just basically, what if Superman landed in the Soviet Union instead of America? And I was just like, yo, that sounds dope. Yeah, it's pretty dope. Not the biggest fan of the ending, not going to ruin that, but it's a pretty interesting story. You got Russian Batman, you got Wonder Woman basically saying, I'm into girls right then and there, and I'm all for that. And also Russian Batman, who knew we needed that? Russian Batman. Yeah, I mean, the, at with, the end of the day, for the most part, really like Elseworlds in general. I think that they are so much fun because they're not as like tied to continuity or tied to like what the characters should be. So it gives authors like a lot of room to explore. And I think with Red Sun, they took a lot of advantage on that. Um, and you still kind of end up with the Superman story. Like a yeah, with a Superman story and a recognizable Superman, just like 
just like in a different country yeah yeah, just like in an alternate reality you know as as else worlds tend to be it is a it is a fun read it it takes you through like you know the entire part of the ussr and what if superman were leading the ussr so (gasps) and they did the adaptation you know dc animated with their amazing movies the movie adaptation was pretty good and if you're reading it and it's just like hey i wonder if there's a movie of it there is and it's good so I recommend it. Jason Isaacs is Russian Superman, and he does a pretty damn good job, I must say. That's my number one recommendation for this list. This is also in no particular favorite order. I just recommend Red Sun a lot. I really enjoyed it. And this is coming from a non-Superman fan. Yeah, which is, you know, a, a big deal. As you can tell by my surprise that there even being a Superman title on her reading list at all. <laughs> also, by the way, she read American Alien. is not on this list, but, like, it's another good Superman story. Not really. It's just a lot of fun. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not really a Superman story, but it is a fun story. <laughs> it's a stretch. It's a stretch. I, okay, I, I will give this tidbit for, for uh, American Alien. It feels like I'm reading a fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because it's like, I don't want to say wild or anything, but so like funny and teenagery and kind of drama-y, soap opera-y. Like, yeah. I feel just... like if Superman was like an ABC family show <laughs> or something. I mean, not that that's a bad thing, because I mean, a lot of ABC family shows are actually pretty bad, but um, yeah, that's like kind of the vibe because it's like Party Boy Superman. It's it's weird, but it's fun. So I it is it is a fun read. Yeah. So if you if you want a, a weird, fun... Yeah, American one, Alien. Just, you know, for shits and giggles. Yeah, because, like, you have nothing else better to do during this quarantine. Correct, exactly. Okay, so, moving on. My list, I didn't want to include... No offense, Barbie, but I didn't want to include any, like, bigger name titles, I guess, because I feel like a lot of people have already read them. So I wanted to try... So I wanted to do books that, like aren't as talked about as much but I still enjoyed reading or that I'm currently reading right now um, except for the last one on my list the last one on my list is like super popular but there'll be a it's, reason it, for it it's okay that's why I didn't include things like you know uh under the red hood or whatever because yeah, yeah like, like, people have already read that probably. exactly so I didn't want to include like even though like uh, big events or big stories that are still fun to read and if you haven't you should like you know blackest night or like you said under the red hood or even oh my god oh no man's land like any, any like, like yeah exactly like i feel like for the most part if you read comics you either know of those stories or have already read them and even as under the red hood stared at me from next to my tv because that's where i keep it because the <laughs> i have the the edition with the with the book and the movie i was like no chelsea that's that's too obvious you can't that, so. that's what i was with as well but i was just like hey, hey the movie just came out Maybe some that's, people yeah, want to hear this That's true. That's fair, too. So, for the most part... Oh, hold on. I hit my mic. I'm so <laughs> Stay still, Mike. Thank you. God bless. Okay. Um, For the most part, it won't be, like, I guess, as quote-unquote mainstream. But I'm sure that they're, they're recognizable titles. Throughout the quarantine, what I've probably been reading most are the DC Kids books. Just because they're really fun reads with really great character development and really great stories. And... <laughs> At the end of the day, they're just fun to read, and I don't have to worry about, like, all the dark, broody, existential dread that, like, a lot of other books kind of have nowadays. Um, <laughs> and, we don't need any more of that, do we? Yeah, we, and we, I don't need that during a pandemic, you know? I, I don't need any more dread. And I think that all the books in general are really great reads. Whether they're for kids or not, I think anyone can enjoy them. The most recent one I read is Shadow of the Batgirl which is one of my favorite ones for sure. It's tied with Superman Smashes the Clan, And it is by Sarah Kuhn and Nicole Goosh? G-O-U-X? Not sure how I'm supposed to pronounce that. Goosh. I'm so sorry, Sarah. I mean, Nicole. Uh, Sarah's the But anyway, it's uh, about Cassandra Kane. Basically, her as a kid just the process she goes through in order to become a hero, to become Batgirl. As you could probably guess, obviously she's a troubled kid, like she's an orphan in this story. Um, but I mean, I guess she's technically an orphan in every story, you know. I was about to away. say, isn't she an orphan like always? Yeah, I mean, that's what I was like, technically, because she ran away, but 
regardless so yeah she's an orphan and Batgirl Babs basically like helps her I guess re- realize her potential of like being able to help people because that's what she wants to do right so mm-hmm. it's about Babs um and her and how she becomes Batgirl and it really like reminded me of like the core of why I loved Cassandra and if you don't know this Cassandra came to my favorite Batgirl this really was like such a throwback to how she started out and like all her characterization and stuff and her relationship with Babs which I dearly dearly miss in these reboots nowadays so it was kind of like a really good throwback but also a nice reinvention of her character because of like she's a kid she's like technically a child child right now in the story so it's a reinvention of that but still holds true to like the essence of Cass and how she became Batgirl Um, And again, her relationships with characters like Babs that we don't get to see. Um, So I would definitely recommend it. But if you're like, but Jalsi, they're kids' books. First of all, fuck you. (laughs) Second of all, fine, you big baby. If you don't want to read Shadow of the Batgirl, which, you know, a mistake, I will give you the alternative of reading Cass's first solo title book, Batgirl Silent Night which was uh, written in 2000, uh, and it's by Kelly Puckett and Scott Peterson. Now this also, obviously this is an introduction to her as Batgirl. She becomes Batgirl in No Man's Land, so like if you wanted to read a couple chapters real quick there to see how that goes down, you could. If not, just know that that's how she became Batgirl, during the No Man's Land arc. And if you don't know about No Man's Land, you should probably read that too. Because <laughs> it's a really good event. Um, but regardless, her book spins off from the events of No Man's Land, and it's called, the first one's Batgirl, Silent Night. And again, introduction to the character, really good, and has the same vibes of Shadow of the Batgirl, but more, I guess, akin to how we're used to Bat books being, you know, comic-wise, like, she goes around, Gotham, kicks butt, is very bloody sometimes, because, you know, assassin child, Lady Shiva's her mom, David Kane's her dad, you know, like, she can beat Batman in hand-to-hand combat. So, like, you know, she's not going to go easy on criminals. So you can check that out if you want some introductory Cassandra Crane that doesn't come from, quote-unquote, a kid's book. And again, I recommend all of the DC Kids line. Legacy, which is the Green Lantern one. Uh, Superman Smashes the Clan. The Mirror one, which is like... And yeah, that's my, that's my one, number one. So small, small number one, you literally just gave like four books to read. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because I gave the one that you should read, then an alternative for the babies who are too scared to read a kid's book, and then backstory <laughs> if you want to read it. See, it was just a full package. It's a full package. We do appreciate a full package in this podcast. <laughs> All right, so what's your next one? My number two is probably another popular one, but we just preface a lot of things. I don't read a lot of comics. I read the ones I'm interested in, and this just so happened to be one. Daredevil Yellow. Because Ooh, I haven't read it. Oh, but are you, I don't think you're that much of a Daredevil fan. I'm not. I do like Matt Murdock, but, like, I haven't found the time or the energy to, like, really get into him, though. That's fair. You know what I mean? Like, I've seen him around, and, like, I like him but I haven't been as dedicated as, like, reading him. That's fair. So I added this to my list because I thought, hey, some people are stuck in quarantine. Most people have Netflix these days, and they probably saw the Daredevil show on Netflix. What a coincidence. Here's a Daredevil book that's pretty good. (laughs) I love how all these are spinning out of, like, hey, this is, like, easy, accessible television. So, like, here's some, you know, supplementary material. Exactly, because it's just like, you know, some people don't really, because, you know, digital age, some people don't really gear towards, like, you know, books and blah, blah, blah. It's like they get the movie or the show first, and then they read the books. That's yep. fair. So, yeah, so guys, just, if you want to get to know the real Cassandra Kane, read Shadow of the Batgirl. Ignore her <laughs> characterization of Birds of Prey. Oh, yeah, we, we, <laughs> we don't talk about that. We were supposed to, but then I got sick. Yeah, a lot of things happen. Maybe eventually we do a Birds of Prey review. Just know the short version is, for the most part, we enjoyed it. Cassandra just wasn't Cassandra, so, like, that's the biggest blemish on the movie for me. Pretty much. But back to Daredevil. Yeah, back to Daredevil Yellow, which I haven't Um, read. Tell me about it. What makes it so cool, Barbie? Um, well, it's written by Jeff Loeb and drawn by Tim Sale, like, one of the best comic duos. Oh, my God. Okay, now I know why you like it. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. 
Well, I mean, they did the entire colored thingy for Marvel, like Superman blue, Hulk gray, Captain America white, I think, or whatever. And Daredevil yellow, which you see Daredevil in a yellow suit, which is very ugly, but I understand it. Why Wait, did you yellow? say Superman blue? Spider-Man. Oh, I heard Superman and I was like, what? <laughs> well, I mean, when you edit it, I might have said Superman, but whatever. Spider-Man Blue. <laughs> okay. Anyway, yeah, it's written by Jeff Loeb and John Bison Sale, who also did The Long Halloween, if yeah. people remember that duel. And it's just like, you know, a retelling of Daredevil's origins, but like extra, very, extremely sad because Jeff Loeb likes to be really sad. And, and also, from what I know of Daredevil, he's just really sad. Yeah, Daredevil's a very sad individual. It's all that Catholic guilt compounding all over him all the time. But anyway, just a basic retelling of Daredevil's origin, how he became Daredevil, his closest relationships, especially that with Karen Page. It's a very well-written story. It's like, what else can you expect from Jeff Loeb? And uh, Jeff Loeb, I believe, also did produce the Daredevil series on Netflix. So the, the Daredevil series is very much in tune with the story. So you're going to find that it's going to have a lot of overlap. There will be some differences probably because, you know, adapting from book to show slash movie is always going to be challenging but daredevil yellow is the best way to i think it personally to get into daredevil's origin hmm. a lot of people would disagree with me but i don't care i mean that's fair so we yeah. all have our own opinions on comics we do we do by the way this one in eisner so you could tell it's good <laughs> oh. much honors to daredevil yellow yes for a lot of these things the places where you can read them is illegally online yeah, like readcomics.com or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I am 100% behind supporting the comic book industry or any industry if you are able to. But if you are not, don't feel bad. This is hard times we're going through. Just read it online if you really, really want to read it. And then once you're back up on your feet, you're feeling good, you can decide, yes, I will buy this trade. Yeah, and you can buy I it on Amazon. Or yeah. at your local comic yeah. book store. Yeah, and like accessibility. I would definitely go local comic book store over Amazon mm -hmm. unless your local comic book store just doesn't have it or doesn't have the ability to order it. Like, mm -hmm. I actually had to get Shadow of the Batgirl on Amazon because everyone was sold out. We're looking at you, Tate. Yeah, so, I mean, gotta do what you gotta do. And at the end of the day, accessibility makes lifelong fans. Like, obviously, when I was in high school and college, I didn't really have a lot of, like, extra income. So I wasn't going around buying comics every week. But now that I can afford it, or I mean, I did when I had a job, but regardless, <laughs> I bought a lot of the comics that I used to love to read when I was younger and like comics coming up now. So like at the end of the day, accessibility makes lifelong fans. If you can, like you said, support. And especially if you can like get an online comic subscription, like a lot of comic book services have, then that's like a couple bucks. And that's still supporting the industry if you wanted to do it that way as well. Yes, but we are also understanding people. And if yes. you need to read it, if you really want to read it and you have no means to buy it, read it online. Yeah. Uh, read comic books, whatever the website was. What is the website, Josie? <laughs> Comics online, I think. You just, yeah. you just type that into Google, something will come up. Yeah, and then you're fine. So that was my number two. What's your number two, Chelsea? My number two is something that I also finally read during quarantine. <laughs> I I read a uh, I read a couple things that I've been like putting on the back burner. I'm still a million comics behind, mm -hmm. but you know I I read a few things. I I tried to start in the right direction and then I went back to doing nothing instead of doing at least reading or being productive in some way. But regardless, Nightwing. The Tomasi run, uh, I guess it's, yeah, it's technically still ni uh, Nightwing 1996, um, but it's that very last run of that continuous run. So it started in 1996 with Chuck Dixon, who I love, but this very last arc is by Peter Tomasi. Hold on, let me pull it out. Another, another person you love. Yes. So imagine a writer I love getting to write a character I love. So it's by Peter Tomasi. And uh, Rags Morales, Don Kramer, and Doug Mankey all were artists on this. Basically, it, it is one of my favorite iterations of Nightwing. So kind of like you said that it, uh, you thought that, that was like 
a really good introduction to Daredevil. I think that the Tomasi run is one of my favorite characterizations of Nightwing. I guess that's kind of a little controversial. A lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people have different because he's been through so many eras. Like just like Batman, this bitch eighty years old. He is. He's Dick old. Grayson. <laughs> yeah, Robin turned eighty this year. A.K.A. Dick Grayson turned eighty this year. As far as like his existence as a character. So whether you prefer him as Robin, you know, Bob Kane, Bill Finger, what they did with him, or whether you prefer his, him in the new Teen Titans when he very, very first time he became Nightwing with the Titans, or any other iteration after that, I only judge you if you like his new 52 version. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because everything else to me is understandable. You know, except for the options, new 52. Except for the new 52 version. If you like Red Nightwing, I'm so sorry, but like, we're just not going to click. We're just not going to be friends. It's just not going to happen. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but anyway, so for the Tomasi run, it is the end of this Nightwing, this long-running Nightwing. It compiles uh, his omnibus, which you can find on DC's website or on Amazon or your local comic book store when it finally opens. It <laughs> uh, was where at least like a few months ago, and it compiles... Nightwing 140 to 153. So that's basically all of Tomasi's run on Nightwing. And it ends, uh, that's when Batman quote unquote dies. Mm -hmm. And oh, yeah. Dick has to become Batman. Mm. So that's where the this the book ends. So I think it's a nice summary of like Dick's persona, you know, as Nightwing in Blue Haven, what Blue Haven means to him, but also what his family means to him. So you get to see his interactions with Tim. Oh my gosh, do I miss Tim and Dick being like actual bros and hanging out and going on missions together and being real cute and stuff. You um, and a lot of other people in the back family, I can imagine. Yeah, so it's just something like we don't get the, the Babs cast relationship because of the reboot. We don't really get a lot of the Dick and Tim relationship anymore either. Also, because of the reboots. Um, it just reminded me of so many things that I loved about Nightwing that we don't get anymore. Especially now because he still has fucking amnesia. Whatever. Uh, Wait, still? Technically. Technically, he's remembering now. So, like, in a couple issues, he should be back to normal. But, like, we haven't had issues in a long time because of okay. the quarantine. So, yeah. So okay, then like, that's fair. Yeah, so it's been, like, two, three years that this bitch has had amnesia. But that's another story for another day. We're focusing right now on the good old days of Nightwing <laughs> with this Tomasi not, run. So, not whatever his name is. Yeah, so you get to see him and Tim together. You get to see him and Alfred. You get to see him and Superman. And this is honestly the best era for me of him and Babs. Like, this is when I actually like them. When I'm like, okay, I could see it, you know? Because like, uh, Babs is Oracle now, right? Yes, this is when Babs is Oracle. Yeah. So you even get to see a little bit of them as well. And I think it just, it highlights the best part of all of those relationships. And also the best parts of him and how he struggles to like, you know, come into the mantle of Batman. Like, because there's literally no one else who can at this point. And how, how much he loves being Nightwing and the freedom of that, but also like the responsibility of, of taking care of people in Gotham as well. That's it in a nutshell. So you get really good interactions with him and the rest of the Bat family. And a really great characterization of Nightwing, I have to say, one of my favorites. So I definitely recommend it. You don't have to do any previous reading. You can pretty much jump into this. There's a there's a few things, because this was in continuity, that ties into that. But it's things that, for the most part, you should know. And if not, you can do a quick Google. And there's also, he fights, like, a bunch of Batman's villains and his own. So, you know... Always fun, always cool. So that's my recommendation. So what if they want more Nightwing after this? What do you recommend? Oh, well, if you want more Nightwing after this, I think that you should read the entirety of the nineteen, the Nightwing 1996 run. It's probably my favorite combined area of, as, of Nightwing. So from 1996 to 2009, like I think pretty solid Nightwing action. Um, again, Chuck Dixon wrote most of it. And for the most part, I think there's only, like, a, a handful of arcs that I would say are, like, eh. But I think you get a really good sense of who Dick Grayson is as Nightwing. And what becoming Nightwing and becoming the protector of Bloodhaven does to him as a character. Because uh, becoming Nightwing is more of his, like, new Teen Titans phase. But getting his mm -hmm. own city and being the protector of Bloodhaven, that's pretty much what the 1996 Nightwing series focuses on. Like, the very first volume is mm -hmm. called Bloodhaven. Oh, 
Yeah. I was about to say, wasn't it like something Blue Haven? Yeah, yeah. It's a Blue so, Haven. So wait, it's Blue Haven? Blue Haven, Blood Haven, honestly does not matter. Because of the, the, the two dots. dots, the two dots on the U, it should be blued. I don't mind if you say Blood Haven either, because I think Blood Haven sounds better. But I think Blue Haven is technically the right pronunciation. Got it. Okay. But regardless, so all the the Chuck Dixon story arcs and stuff, really good. Tomasi's. The only times that I'm the only stuff that I'd probably say skip is the Devin Grayson arcs. Not a fan mm. of those. But other mm. than that, the nineteen ninety six Nightwing run, pretty fucking solid. Good but to know. The, yeah. But for the purposes of, of this reading list, I don't want you to have to read hundred and fifty something issues. So I will be recommending the last part of that, which is the Tomasi part, which I think is just a good summary of him and his connections to to the people in his good good but just in case we're stuck in here for longer than we expect and hopefully I mean, you're right you're right <laughs> next on my list since we're gonna get a bit get a little bit longer because i couldn't really pick well if i had to pick something in particular i would recommend reading spider-men not spider-man spider-men Ooh, an e instead of an a yes because this is when miles and peter from the Peter 616 meet for the first time. It's a really, really good story because Miles is still, he, he, he hasn't been Spider-Man in his own universe for that long. And I don't remember the ultimate verse number universing me, so sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't been Spider-Man for that long, so he needs like you know a little bit of reassurance because he became Spider-Man when he was like, what, nine years old? No, he was probably like 12, but he was still a baby in comparison to Peter. I was about to, to be like, nine? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he's established as a grade schooler. So let me just put it that way. He became Spider-Man very, very young. And he hasn't oh been Spider-Man for that long by the time Spider-Man is like, you know, a thing. He meets Peter and then that's basically the reassurance he needs that like, yeah, he's doing a good job as Spider-Man. It's a really good story. It's really great character development for Miles Morales, who, if you have seen, you know, you know, you have a Netflix account, you probably <laughs> have seen Into the Spider-Verse with its titular character, Miles Morales, aka my favorite Spider-Man. And then you're just like, hey, I want more Miles Morales content because he's cool. And then here you go, Spider-Man. But I highly, highly, 100% recommend reading everything about Miles because it's great. Even when he's in the 616? No, 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 never mind, never mind, um, hard, hard stop. Read up until he goes into the 616, because for some reason, they decided to merge the Ultimate verse with the 616 verse, and then Miles came into the 616, and those stories were crap. I don't know what, um, what's his face, Brian Michael Bendis was doing in his head. Those stories were crap, so don't read those. But yeah. anything pre anything anything in Ultimate Verse Miles Morales pretty darn good. There's this yeah. part where his girlfriend ends up being a Hydra agent. That's weird, but whatever. Um, <laughs> his girlfriend? I thought he was ten. He grows older. Besides, oh, you know, ten year olds do the same thing. Girlfriends. I guess it's true. Your girlfriend being a Hydra agent when you're ten years old—that's a it's... little bit of a stretch, even for comics. <laughs> no, it is. I admit it. <laughs> But it happened. And that's why I'm like, Brian Michael Bendis, you sure you know what you're doing? <laughs> yeah, I, I think like we've said multiple times on this podcast, Bendis is a good writer, but I think he's hit in it. He is. And the starting point of Miles' story is so good. And the, what is it, the ultimate fallout event, which is when Peter dies, is it hurts so bad. And that's when I cried at Peter's death. Is this was like, wow, am I a Peter Parker fan? Because <laughs> it hit so hard reading that for some reason. Because it's just like, wow, Peter Parker is dead. Like he ain't coming back. Like actually, he didn't come back. Unlike yeah. some people, you know, Bucky. <laughs> Bucky. <laughs> that that storyline hits hard. And when he's when Miles is introduced, it's just like, wow, here's this new guy. He's uh he's mixed race, half black, half Puerto Rican. What the hell? We never thought we'd see this day. It came, and it's great. And it's so good, because Miles is such an interesting character, and he's so different from what Peter is. So yeah. I highly Which recommend is, reading yeah. everything for Miles up until he's introduced into the 616. 
And then after, um, the new run for him is pretty good. Oh, the most recent one. Yeah, the most recent run for him is pretty darn good. If I do say so myself. Pretty and the one good. that started last year or the year before? Yeah, it's uh, I forgot who it's written by. But if you just want one story, read Spider-Man. It's good. It hits hard. Damn. I'm honestly contemplating reading it. You know, I need a good cry. Well, you could also read, like, Peter Parker's death. (laughs) (laughs) It hits real hard. And that's Um, Ultimate Fallout? Ultimate Fallout, issue number four. Damn, the issue and everything. Yeah, I remember. (laughs) I remember the time I cried for Peter Parker's death because I wasn't (laughs) expecting it. Damn. I was having a nice little soak in the tub, reading comics, and it's just like, am I crying? <laughs> yes, I'm crying. It's not condensation. It's tears. <laughs> Spider-Man. And there's also Spider-Man 2, which I have not read, but apparently it's also good. Oh, okay. And it, it, um, it connects directly with Spider-Man 1? Um, I believe so. Okay. I believe so. But yes, Spider-Man, and then a uh, little asterisk. Everything from Miles Morales. In the Ultimates verse. In the Ultimates verse. Because that is when he truly shines. Because he, like, you know, he's not, it's just him alone in this verse trying to be Spider Man, not hindered by anything other Spider Man related, like Peter yeah. existing. I mean, you do, <laughs> you do have uh, Captain America being like, stop being Spider Man. And then he's just like, okay, I need you to be Spider Man again. Uh, didn't you just tell me not to be Spider Man because it's too dangerous? We need you. Okay. <laughs> Captain America and the Ultimate Verse is so weird. Yeah. Yeah, he really is. He's uh-huh. so weird and don't appreciate him yeah. at all. Also, another little asterisk. A lot of other stories in Ultimate Verse is very interesting. And I do recommend it. Oh, the um, Ultimate Verse in general? Yeah. Like, Fantastic Four goes way off, goes, goes way off the rail. Like, Reed Richards is a villain. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting because it's like um, they could do whatever they really wanted to in the Ultimate Verse because it didn't affect the, the main. The 616. Yeah. The 616. So they were just like, hey, let's make the father of Marvel Comics a bad guy. Dun, 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 dun. So, yeah, that's my number three. Nice, Sue. What's your number three? I'm trying to move my phone so I can, like, actually <laughs> access it. Okay. So, my number three is shockingly a marvel title my the <gasps> only marvel title on this list um, not that i don't like marvel i'm actually like like, like fun fact though before this whole quarantine stuff happened i was in the process of dropping dc and going to marvel because i go to i go through like moods uh sorry i usually don't read a lot of like both of them just because there's a lot to to like keep track of so whoever is like has the most interesting era that's usually like well, interesting era to me, that's usually what I read. So I was in, like, a DC bubble for a while, but I was literally moving towards Marvel because all the X-Men stuff was being really cool. But then all this happened, I <laughs> and I, well, I got let go, and then all this happened. So I was like, you know what, let, let's just put a pause. Let's read all the <laughs> shit we have, and then we'll see where we land. But anyway, my uh, recommendation is The Young Avengers. Um, I have oh, yeah. talked. Yeah, I've talked about them a few times, but I, <laughs> multiple times. But I definitely recommend if you have not read about them, read their original run, or really know who they are and want to get to know who they are. I definitely recommend the 2005 Young Avengers, which is their first series, um, written by Alan Heinberg and Jim Chung Chung Chang. God, I'm so sorry. That sounds so horrible. It's C H E U N G Chung Chung. Maybe Chung, but there's an E in it, so I don't know if that changes the pronunciation. I'm sorry. Regardless, I'm really sorry that I'm mispronouncing your name, Jim, because I really, really love your art. And him and Alan basically created all of them. So I love you guys. you guys. Kudos. You guys did a great job. That's, I guess, the best introduction to the Young Avengers, obviously. That's, a, that's their first series. Official run is the Young Avengers 2005 run. And super good. You get to know all the different characters. You explore so many storylines with them. And just kind of remember what it's like to be a superhero kid. Kind of like why we like people, you like people like Miles or Miss Marvel, um, Camilla Khan, not uh, mm-hmm. Carol. Oh, you yeah. know, the, like the, that young generation of like teen mm-hmm. heroes. That is 
just really fun and inspirational to read because you get to watch them grow up, you know, grow up while being a hero and having to balance all of that. And I always found that really interesting, which is why I love The Young Avengers. Um, apart from the fact that I love all the characters, obviously, especially Billy and Teddy, who I've mentioned, I'm sure, hundreds and dozens <laughs> of times. So, so you get to know all of them there for the most part. The team does go through a couple changes, not in, the, in this uh, iteration of them, but like throughout. And if you want to keep reading about them, you can read Children's Crusade, which takes place directly after the initial Young Avengers run. And then in 2013, Karen Gillan and uh, Jamie McClive, I think, Jamie McClive, um, they did a, a Young Avengers series in 2013 that's also really good. And it's kind of a reinvented team um, because you get to see America Chavez. Novar? Novar. Yes, and Kid Loki. the one the one character I know. <laughs> yeah, so that's that. Yeah, so because the initial Young Avengers are Hulkling, Wiccan, who at that time was named as Guardian because they were trying to be like analogs of the Avengers. Cause, oh yeah, yeah, because a lot of stuff happened and like Iron Lad, Patriot, Kate, and, and, and Marvel uh, really, really Marvel and DC really likes making the big team and then the little team. Yeah, exactly. So they were just like a little mirror of the actual Avengers. So they each kind mm -hmm. of represented one of the Avengers. So obviously Kate was Hawkeye. Um, mm -hmm. Teddy was Hulk, Hulkling. Billy was supposed to be an analog for Thor. So that's why he was Asgardian. And then Iron Lad, obviously for Iron Man. Patriot for Captain America. And then Stature for uh -huh. her being, you know, his daughter. And they all have yeah. actual connections to all of the Avengers. Just not as like obvious as their analogs but mm -hmm. they all have connections to the Avengers. And so it's about them basically be how they became a team and how they were superheroes, all the stuff that they had to go through in order to do that. And just you kind of uncovering their past and things like that and just learning more about them. And it's a really fun read, again, especially if you want to get to know them more, which I definitely recommend. One of my favorite teams Marvel has created, to be honest. And if for further reading, you can read the 2013 run by, again, Karen Gillan. And also really good even though it's a different team i think all of the characters for the most part bring something really cool and interesting and i really like the reinvention of the team as well so you know those are some recs there and it's not a lot of reading considering <laughs> basically all of the young avengers can be put into three books uh but yeah if by any chance see the thing is with my list i put things that i think other people would be interested in reading because you mentioned Young Avengers, and now I remembered something that I read. I kind of enjoyed, but I know nobody else would have enjoyed <laughs> <laughs> this, this little run called Dark Avengers. <laughs> if you feel particularly bored one day, read Dark Avengers. <laughs> the art is stunning. I, I give it that. The art is absolutely beautiful, and is the only time in history where, Do where Dokken, Akihiro, looks like the thought that he should be <laughs> so yeah that's that's my 3.5 <laughs> yeah that's it you're just gonna throw that in there all right yeah because I'll you mentioned young avengers and i remember novar and novar is in the dark avengers for a minute for for some reason novar is a weird character he gets put in weird places i'll just say that he does because you see him in dark avengers and he looks like a fully realized adult man and then he goes to young avengers and he looks like a bab yeah it's just he he's a like poor novar but he's such a filler character he is he's just like you want someone cool because he's kree so like hey man we want a cool alien on our team and they just put him places <laughs> and Basically. you're like okay novar i'm not really sure how you ended up here but sure you're here yeah, this quick little thing in Dark Avengers. Dark Avengers is basically the bad guys Avengers team led by Norman Osborn. You have Venom, not Venom, some other Venom. I forgot Another the symbiote. It's Venom, but not Eddie Brock Venom. Oh, okay. Yeah, I forgot who it is. You have Venom, you have Moonstone, um, you have Dakanaki Hito, aka Wolverine's son, bisexual god. <laughs> you have Bullseye. You have Novar first, quick second, you have Sentry. It's a very interesting lineup, and it could have been a very interesting story, but it was written by Brian Michael Bendis, so it ended up weird and led nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
he cannot write team up team up. So we've said that I don't know how many times, but just reiterating, he cannot write team ups to save <laughs> his life. Poor man. He tried, but it didn't work out. So that's my 3.5. Moving on to my number four. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so this is gonna be like a little curveball. Number four and five are gonna be curveballs. Because okay. they're not I'm ready comics. to I'm ready to catch. Let's go. They're not comics. But they're real books? They're real no. life books? Oh. No. Are they webtoons? Num- uh, sorry, I'm, I'm no. going to stop guessing. Go. <laughs> my number four is Tokyo Ghoul. Oh, manga. Okay. They are comics, just not Western comics. Uh, kind of, I guess. I guess you have a point. Yeah, because a I manga just, is I, just an Eastern it's, it's just, you know, Japanese comic. Yeah. I realize that, but in my head, it's just like they're so separate. I mean, they that's are, my, but same, same concept. Yes, I recommend Tokyo Ghoul because one, it is finished. That's yeah. another, that was another um, caveat for my list. Everything had to be finished. I didn't want anything ongoing. So yes, Tokyo Ghoul is finished, including Tokyo Ghoul Re, which is like the weird sequel thing. And it's a little bit, it's much more longer, much more longer, <laughs> yes. Than, <laughs> much um, longer. Much longer, whatever much longer than um the miles chapters and stuff how long is tokyo ghoul the original manga is 14 volumes okay which is and then then re then there's tokyo ghoul re which is 16 volumes Mm. so it's longer than miles but shorter than my number five jesus yes (laughs) (laughs) you'll see i just realized what that meant anyway continue (laughs) tokyo ghoul brief synopsis is about this guy named kaneki who um, had the worst date ever. (laughs) (laughs) And when you read the first chapter, you'll understand why. (laughs) He basically goes on a date with a girl and ends up becoming a ghoul, who are beings that eat other people. And the brief synopsis of it is very simple, but it just goes into a bunch of like organizations and conspiracies with the government and everything. And it's a very, it's a thriller horror manga and it's very well done written and done and you'll have like literary references to like kafka and a lot of other macabre stuff that's like if you're if you're in the mood to feel doom and gloom you should read this because like you know sometimes you need to embrace the doom and gloom despite pandemic which is like you need a moment and this is <laughs> this is i think this is a good one while it does have an anime do not watch it it is, is very bad first season no it's very bad oh damn no, I, I 100% do not recommend the anime. It has great opening and endings, the music, which may be another podcast episode, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, um, the anime itself is horrible because this is a, like a mature manga. So a lot of the mature stuff got censored out. So it's just not as fun to watch because it's like, you know, this is supposed to be blood, but it's like black goo. How is that any better? I guess, yeah, they wanted it to be more mainstream, so they had to censor some. Essentially. It's such a well-written story, and you don't really get that a lot with, in my opinion, manga. You get the, sometimes manga, it it goes into two categories. Well-written stuff, which is few and far between, in my opinion. Well, well well-written, finished stuff, I feel like that should be. And then ongoing stuff that will never, ever finish One Piece. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it doesn't help that they go for so long not that not to say that mm-hmm. comics don't because obviously they do um especially because in comics or at least popular comic comics in the states if mm-hmm. you want to follow one character like imagine trying to follow everything batman has ever done in 80 years that's so hard yeah exactly it's so, so I, it's kind of made more digestible by the fact that there are different runs and different authors and different eras that you can read but mm-hmm. With manga, like, think of, like, it's Naruto. Just, it's yeah, it's like, just one person. It's one person writing forever. And not to say that Naruto is bad, because it had some really good arcs. Naruto had really good arcs. But mm-hmm. as a whole, I do agree that it's not necessarily well written. Yes, because it's just, like, sometimes, the thing is with manga, sometimes the art, the author has a plan, and they want to stick to that plan, but then the company is just like, no, it's going really well, make it longer. Exactly, it's like, we want more, and we want more, and again, using Naruto and, as an example, you can tell 100%, like, that last arc was stretched out 20 issues too long. One, and, or, and, but the thing is, it can have, like, a somewhat decent ending, at least I think Naruto had a decent ending, like, you know. That's true, he, yeah, yeah. he married Hinata whatever Sasuke and Sakura or whatever (laughs) and then whatever but then you have the special case of Bleach 
<laughs> where we all mourn what could have been. Yeah, sometimes so, just things don't end well. You're right. They really don't. If they go too long, then you don't know how to end it. And you I can tell. You can tell. I don't know how the guy from One Piece is doing it, but he's doing it. <laughs> I know. His goal is to make the longest mon running manga ever, so he's going to keep going. He's, he really is. And he's doing a fairly well job because One Piece fans are strong. That's true. They, they keep watching it, so it must still be good. In the case of Tokyo Ghoul, the author had a planned story, and he kept it. And then the original manga had a cliffhanger so you can tell that something else was supposed to happen he waited a bit before releasing the second part and you can tell he had another organized story and it ended i highly recommend tokyo ghoul it is so good and in my opinion it really doesn't get as much love as it needs because the anime did such a poor job of representing such a great story and you miss a lot of the literary references in the anime which are so important of understanding everything <laughs> Yeah, that, that was nice that the that the anime did it did such a disservice and on top of that it was still fairly popular it was like tokyo ghoul had a big following when the anime come out when it came out but um i think the problem was is that they decided to air it on public television and it was a lot of like just hype when it was coming out but it didn't have like a lasting fandom base if i have not sold you on tokyo ghoul i'm sorry but i really do think you should, everyone should read tokyo ghoul present company included Damn. we have nothing we have nothing but time I guess you're right, but I have a lot of other things to read too. Not that I don't think Tokyo Ghoul is interesting, but no, I'm just have, yeah. fairly intimidated by things that are so long. That I is guess. fair. That is fair. Tokyo Ghoul is very dense. Yeah, I, yeah. Like it's not even an easy like because things could be long but still be an easy read, but Tokyo like, Ghoul probably. is long and also dense to read. It is so dense because there's yeah. a lot of dialogue. Yeah, but there are really good action pieces because the ghouls have these like weird tentacle thingies called kagune which they fight with and it's there's blood and the action set pieces are really good the artist who is also the writer which is in most cases for manga is such a good artist like so good i would love to own the art i would love to own and the art book for tokyo go one day like this is totally off topic but sometimes yeah. i sit and i'm baffled and amazed by all the shit that mangakas do like right? for western comics not i think especially like older comics you do see more of like they, they like drew everything and then they also wrote it also wrote it but like nowadays other than yeah, sean like... murphy who did white knight all by himself because that was like his little passion project mm -hmm. um, and he like actually drew everything and wrote the story and all that but for the most part most comics are like you have a penciler you got a colorist <laughs> You got a writer, you got like this. You got an so inker. You got, you got an like... inker. Yeah, like there's so many layers and so many people involved in a book that, like, I sit there and be like, no, man, that One Piece guy, he. He, can... <laughs> he does it all by himself. I mean, to manga girls have assistance. Yeah, especially when you, but when you start out, it's just you. You only get it, assistance it, if you get popular. Mm -hmm, like, probably the One Piece guy, but most of it he does do by himself. Exactly, like at the Same end of the day, it's, it's his art, and he, they just probably help with like menial stuff, like shading and stuff. and uh, backgrounds and stuff. And backgrounds, yeah, but yeah, but, so it's yeah. Just astounding to be honest. Like, damn, so, so once again, please read it. Also, support the manga industry because, like, in my opinion, the manga industry hurts more than the comic industry since they have to import and do the translations for a lot of it. So that it's costs a lot more. more. Exactly, it's yeah. a lot more money. Read Tokyo Ghoul if you love it, like me, buy it. I understand it's a lot, but if you have the means to do so, support the industries you love so that way the creators can continue creating the stuff that you like. Until Jelsey's number four. Okay, so my number four is actually pretty short. Well, my number four and five are short, which is complete opposite of Barbie. I love <laughs> I love that when we make lists and how like different they turn out. That's like one of my favorite things about making lists. You establish the parameters, like Okay, make a top five reading list. And then we both come up with totally different everything, which I love. <laughs> okay, so my number four, I guess it's a little uh, uh, going with my theme of like not as, I guess, not as well known, whatever. Um, it's Superboy, the Boy of Steel. It's written by Jeff Johns and the art Ooh. by, yeah, and art by Francis Manipal. I love Manipal's art. Love it. And I think he did such a good job illustrating this story guys so good and obviously jeff john it's jeff johns it, yeah <laughs> he, he write good story like that's that's jeff johns that, and that he do 
And this is no exception. I think that this is a really good example of, of the struggles that Khan goes through and just like his development through those struggles. Like the fact that he is a Superman clone, but also has Lex's DNA is something that has driven Khan's character since pretty much the beginning. Wait, and he has Lex's DNA? Oh my God, you didn't know this? Yes. I, did, I 100% did not know that. Oh my God, yes. Yeah, so technically, technically Connor is the son of Superman and Lex Luthor. He oh. is, he is, he is their lab baby. Like, <laughs> yes. So basically when, when Lex, okay, so some background on Superboy, because apparently my co-host didn't know this, and maybe some of you don't know this either. When Superman went, sorry, when Lex was trying to clone Superman, he had a bunch of failed clones because they were, he was trying to clone 100% Kryptonian DNA and like us meager humans, we just don't have that technology to do that. So to stabilize Superman's Kryptonian genes during incubation, they added human DNA to stabilize the sample and the human DNA that they added was Lex's. <laughs> but that's where Superboy comes from. <laughs> Yeah, so that's why at first Superman is super freaked out because on top of Lex making a clone of him behind his back, it's a clone with his and Lex's DNA. It is like the weirdest invasion of privacy that you could probably do to someone. It's like literally Talia 2.0 because Damien, basically. So like, yeah. Yeah. Um, Except Natalia and Bruce have their own set of problems in that case. But yeah, so it's like, okay. like this villain like took my fucking DNA and, and made then... a baby. <laughs> so oh my god. Technically, he is quote unquote Superman's clone, but at the end of the day, he's basically a kid. He's, he's, basically, he's basically Superman and Lex Luthor's child. Um, Continue. So, so now that you know that, very essential part of Superboy's history, which you learn about in Reign of the Superman, which is a great animated movie, by the way, that you should totally watch. That is so, funny. Sorry, I'm still yeah. not over that. Okay. So in this book, it explores a lot of that. So it takes place in one of my favorite settings in all of comics, Smallville. If all stories can take place in a small setting like Smallville, like I think I'd be Gucci with that. It's just about him kind of coming to terms with himself coming to terms with the fact that, yeah, he's a clone of Superman, but he also has Lex's DNA. So he's like, am I going to be evil because of my DNA? Or like, can he be his own person given his parentage, you know? And I think, you know, something that like a lot of kids struggle with, like where you come from, you know? He even has a list, which is super cute. So it's like what Superman does versus what Lex Luthor does. And he like checks off things on the list that he does to see who he's more alike. So, I actually want to read this now. <laughs> oh my gosh, yay! <laughs> it's really short, Barbie. I can even drop off the book at your doorstep since oh we're still God. social distancing. Oh yeah, by the way, guys, we're doing this via Zoom. We are. Probably. just Like most people nowadays, we communicate through Zoom and technology <laughs> uh, through Zoom meetings. So yeah, we're recording <laughs> this through Zoom. <laughs> we're being safe, y'all. So you yeah, be safe too. Exactly. Don't be stupid and protest oh my God. in large crowds. Who cares about your haircut, Karen? Who cares if you can't go to the gym, Bob? <laughs> but anyway. No, like, super uh, side note, like, I saw that people were protesting outside of, like, government, whatever, building in Florida. They were protesting opening gyms by um, doing push-ups and squats outside the government building, proving that you can still dis- do these exercises without the gym. I know. And I can't. I can't. protests are so stupid sometimes God. okay continue i'm sorry i just it, remember that it's fine but moral of that story if you can stay home please do so to stop the spread as much as possible you know at the end of the day most of us want to live right so we should probably chillax yeah. anyway for superboy the boy of steel most of the other books that you know, I recommend and love. You get to see a lot of his connections with everybody. You get to see his relationship with Superman, how complicated that is. You get to see him with Ma and Pa Kent, which like dope. And my favorite part, you get to see him with Crypto. Superboy and Crypto. Superboy and Crypto have like one of the best relationships, I think, as far as like comic (laughs) character and pet (laughs) or dog (laughs) or 
anything like that. I think and crypto in general is so important to all three Kryptonians. But yes. regardless, you get to see specifically his relationship with Superboy, which I think is super cute and amazing. You also get to see Superboy with Wonder Girl and with Tim and with Bart. So like the core four. Um, and you can see how, how much their friendship kind of means to him and how, you know, in general, all four of those characters are really shaped by those friendships being like part of Young Justice and stuff. So you get to see their influence on him and overall Khan navigating the complex relationship that he has with his quote unquote parents and, you know, what that means to him as a person and how that influences him as a person. So I think it's a really good look at him, at his character and just a really good and fun story in general that you may not have read. And it's very short and sweet. It is, this trade is so skinny, but I actually don't know how many issues it has. I'm gonna guesstimate like six. I think it's like six issues. So it's not very long at all. And a great read, um, especially if you want to know, get to know like Superboy, or at least like New Age's Superboy. It's like black t-shirt Superboy, not 90s Superboy. But, you know, <laughs> same thing, same rules apply to him as a developing character. And I think it, it's a really great introduction, even introduction to him as a character because you get to, to learn basically his origin and how he deals with that. So I think it's a really cool and fun story, and Khan is one of my favorite characters, and this is one of the stories that really defines him well as a character to me. That's my recommendation. Very interesting, and it got me interested to read it because I did not know that he was a love child of <laughs> Superman and Lex Luthor. I am not over that. <laughs> yep, he is their DNA baby. That is so weird, but hilarious. Yes. Yeah, like, imagine Khan being like, what the fuck? Like, (laughs) why me? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But yeah, so I think that the checklist crypto, like, you can't go wrong. It's a really fun story. Like, you go, Jeff Johns. You go. Okay, for my last item on this list, it is by far the longest one. Like I said, who knows how long we have in this period of pandemic nest and sadness, but... This is a fun read, in my humble opinion, and it's just two syllables. Jojo. Oh my god. <laughs> Jojo. It's Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. It is so long, you have more than enough material to read, and it is so good. From part one all the way to part seven, which is what the finished stuff is. But don't yeah, worry about part it being- is still ongoing. Um, yes, it's still ongoing. Who knows when it's going to end. But anyway, it doesn't really matter because parts one through seven, you have more than enough reading material. Oh my God. Yeah. If you finish Jojo, like, and we're still locked inside, I'm so sorry, guys. Like, that's going to be a long time. (laughs) 100%. Like, I saw this video of a guy reading all of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure and it took him more than a month. So by any chance, you, nice listener, do not know anything about Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. It is about this man named Jojo and his Bizarre Adventure the end i think that is the best description i've ever heard of jojo's adventure. <laughs> <laughs> a, a better synopsis is that well jojo's bizarre adventure is separated into separate parts you have parts one two three four five six seven and eight and each part has to deal with the new jojo now in parts one part one we have jonathan joestar hence the abbreviation of his name jojo, jojo. And in subsequent parts, we have uh, Joseph Joestar, Jotaro Kujo, who either way still works with Jojo. Um, <laughs> and then we have Josuke Higashikata, which does not really go for Jojo, but we ignore those like little, little yeah. things. Basically, it's Jonathan starts it and all the subsequent Jojos are somehow related mm. to him. Until yeah, because it's all... Seven. It, yeah, it's, it's basically because it's a Joestar family line. Yes, and they all have the mark of the Joestar family line by having a star birthmark on the back of their neck, between the nape of the neck and the shoulder, a purple star, a Joestar. Yeah. And, it's, <laughs> and it's about his bizarre adventure with the world's worst best man, Dio Brando. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you want to sum it up, it's about his bizarre adventure and how his life and his subsequent heir's life is ruined by this man named Dio Brando. That is actually, yeah, the, a very accurate summary. Yes. And it has a wonderful, wonderful anime adaptation if you don't feel like reading all of JoJo. <laughs> <laughs> and like the anime adaptation, Yeah, basically. And the anime adaptation is such a faithful retelling of the manga. It's 
so faithful down to the art style because this manga started in the 80s so it has that 80s manga style big burly two buff men that don't look symmetrical at all but the you roll with it anyway style. yeah so good and then it's still continuing on with each part yeah and, and uh, i one of my favorite things about it is honestly how the styles have changed over time and like how yes. you can tell like the eras just by like the art style which i think is really cool yes um, and like, yeah, and yeah. Like she said if you want to watch the the anime instead, super fun. Just don't ex- have no expectations. It's just mm-hmm. a, literally a wild ride, and some things just don't make sense. But it, that's they, that's the just, charm of it. Because it, yeah, because it's something that was created in the eighties, and the eighties was a wild time. We had Terminator, <laughs> we had Back to the Future, we had Alien. It's just crazy. A lot of things don't make sense. Stands are a really cool concept, and the fights, and it, it just has everything you want. It has comedy, it's got action, it even it, has romance sometimes. <laughs> it, it do, it has, it, it do have romance sometimes, and yeah. potential romances that were burned bridges in part two. R.I.P. You'll know what we're talking about if you eventually get there. Yeah, this is, this is a well-rounded manga made by the wonderful mangaka Hirohiko Araki, who is famous. <laughs> Like, so famous. He did a collaboration with Gucci because of this manga. It's just a wild ride, and it's just so much fun. If you needed a break from the doom and gloom of Tokyo Ghoul, pick up JoJo. Or watch the anime. Or watch the anime, which also has fantastic music. It does. It has fantastic openings and endings, and you'll reach a certain point where it's just like, hey, isn't that the name of a band? Yes. Yes, it is. Because after part, during part three, um, you'll see that most stands are named after bands. Like there is a stand called Cream, from the band Cream, and um, what's another one? I can't think of one, even though there's ten million stands. Yeah, um, band name. Killer Queen. Oh, but that's Killer a song. Queen. Yeah, well, Killer Queen from the song by Queen. By Queen, yeah. Who's looks like David Bowie. <laughs> so it's like you can see the you can see the musical references and influences there if you're really into music as well it also has video games which are tons of fun it's a series where you have multiple ways to get into it media wise manga anime there's even a live action movie for part four video games you got it all basically if you want to enter a new fandom in this quarantine <laughs> there you jojo's go. bizarre adventure is the way to go and then you'll never escape and then you'll be thinking to yourself is that a jojo reference <laughs> that was the end of my list what's the end of your list okay Co-host. so the the last one on my list is by far the shortest any of us have made my final reading uh list tidbit is dc's unkillables and the reason it's the last one on my list it's because i wanted to leave it off with i guess something to look forward to so it's not finished there are two issues out currently and the third issue comes out may 19th it comes out may 19th hopefully because it keeps getting delayed like you know a lot of comics have been recently so it's kind of a something to look forward to so while you're in quarantine you could read these two issues and then when issue three comes out maybe the world will be better and you can (laughs) and you can read it and you can go to your local comic shop and pick it up and read the last part and also we will most definitely be covering deceased both the the first part of it and deceased unkillables and any subsequent deceased material just because both of us are a big fan of it and 100 it'll also it's like reading you know homework for you guys so that when we do come out with those podcasts you guys are prepared ready for action we won't spoil anything you'll know everything (laughs) that's going on but unkillables i'm really really liking and it's been killing me waiting for that third issue to drop because uh, it's been a lot of fun. It has two of my favorite characters in it, Jason and Cass, um, and how mm-hmm. they're dealing with the zombie apocalypse. zombie apocalypse. So they're going through a pandemic of their own, except theirs <laughs> was caused by Dark Side and ours was caused by idiots. inconclusive evidence. <laughs> I blame the idiot tourists. I blame idiots in general. So deceased in general, 
on anyone's reading list. I think it's a fantastic story. Tom Taylor, an incredible writer on this, just has like he has been on Injustice and so many other titles. And so I, re- I recommend reading the DC's universe in general, and especially Unkillables. So again, you have you're hyped and pumped for that last issue and you go out and get it at your local comic book store in a safe way if we're not completely out of quarantine yet and we still have like restrictions or whatever but you know a a little something to look forward to and some some fun zombie comic to read (laughs) while while we are all stuck at home because of the pandemic which is thankfully not a zombie apocalypse imagine (laughs) (laughs) that would be very interesting i must say that concludes our quarantine reading list we hope you have enjoyed and we hope that it has given you some ideas of how to spend your quarantine and hopefully you will enjoy some of these suggestions as we have enjoyed reading them and Mm -hmm. you know stay safe out there if you do read it um let us know at our various contacts i don't know the name of Uh, (laughs) you can hit us up on twitter at cape critiques just on Twitter, like at Caped Critiques, um, C-A-P-E-D, because someone already took capes and critiques, you know, <laughs> fuck you, whoever you are. Um, and then, or you can email us, which I think is a little weird, but we have an email. Uh, so capesandcritiques at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> so you can hit us up at any of those places. You could be like, wow, your suggestions sucked. Or, oh my goodness, I read one of your suggestions and it was so much fun. So, you know, let us know there if you'd like. And yeah, just stay safe out there, kids. And who knows, the next episode might be about video game soundtracks, if I have my way. (laughs) And if she doesn't, it'll be about something actually interesting. Wow. (laughs) And with that, we'll see you next issue.